the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. News, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Folks, that is so relevant today. You talk about being contemporary. It doesn't get any more contemporary than this. The heart is often what's lacking in our worship, your worship, my worship. Like the Jewish people of our Lord's Day, we have, I believe, the right information because we have the Bible. Right information about the Lord, but we are often so guilty of worshiping Him in a kind of lifeless, barren way that produces a cold orthodoxy. Going through the motions, does that ever describe the worship services you have been in? We say the right words at the right time, but we're not really even thinking about what we are doing. Worship is all about the heart. God is looking right past the outside that we seem to think is so important and looking deep down inside of us. We're going to see today in John 4 that Jesus describes how we are supposed to be worshiping. He doesn't talk about music and activities. He talks about who we are. This is Verse by Verse, a ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're talking about the act of worship in this series of messages. We're glad you're listening today. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's message. Now John Piper, in his very good book, Desiring God, has a real insightful comment on what our Lord did here and her response to, uh, to the Lord. He said, now watch the universal reflex of a person trying to avoid conviction. She has to admit that he has extraordinary insight, but instead of going the direction he pointed, she tries to switch over to an academic controversy about his position on the best place to worship God. He writes, a trapped animal will chew off its own leg to escape. A trapped sinner will mangle her own mind and rip up the rules of logic. Why, yes, as long as we're talking about my adultery, what is your stance on the issue of where people should worship? He says, this is standard evasive double talk for trapped sinners, end of quote. So what she's trying to do is shift the attention away from her sin to a theological discussion about the right place of worship. She doesn't want to talk about her adultery. She wants to change the subject. And you know what? Jesus doesn't press the issue here. Why? She already knows she's a sinner. He's made his point. She's aware of her sin. So since she has brought up the subject of worship, Jesus just continues to pursue her by telling her that her worship is unacceptable to God. She needs to become a true worshiper of God. And he tells her this in verses 21 through 24. Let me read it to you, and then we're going to get into this. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, 
An hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, meaning you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We, meaning we Jews, worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and now is when the, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. In these verses, Jesus specifically expresses what God considers unacceptable worship and what he considers acceptable worship. This is how you and I are to evaluate ourselves. And as I see this passage, I see it being broken down into three principles Jesus gave about acceptable worship. And if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write it, write it out. The first principle is the place of worship. That's, that's where. That's the where of where. Where should we worship? The second principle is the proper balance of worship. That's the how of worship. How do we worship God? And the third principle is the person or the object of worship. To whom do we direct our worship? Now, let's begin by looking at the first principle that Jesus taught about acceptable worship. And it's this. Acceptable worship is not confined to a sacred place. This is the where of worship. Where should we worship? It is not confined to a sacred place. Now, the woman presented Jesus with a question about the best place to worship God, recognizing that Jesus was a prophet. She wanted him to solve an ancient theological dispute. She wanted to know the right location to worship God. Was it where the Samaritans said, which was on Mount Gerizim, they had a temple there? Or was it in the temple in Jerusalem where the Jewish people said it was the right place to worship? And what was our Lord's answer? Let's read now that you understand what's going on. Verse 21 again. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain, meaning Gerizim, nor in Jerusalem, meaning the temple mount area, will you worship the Father. Now, Jesus clearly told her that the place of worship was unimportant. That's what he's saying. It's not important. Why? Because he said in a little while, meaning following his death and resurrection, sacred places of worship would be eliminated. They'd be eliminated. In fact, in just a few years, the entire city of Jerusalem with its temple would be destroyed. The temple has never been rebuilt. The city has been rebuilt, but the temple has never been rebuilt. Now, the question that we need to, to grapple with for a moment is why did Jesus say that the place of worship is unimportant, especially in light of the fact that God told the Jewish people to build a temple in Jerusalem? That was to be the place of worship. And now Jesus is coming along and saying that soon it's unimportant. Soon it's unimportant. What's, what's the answer? The answer is that the purpose of the temple was to provide a place of worship uh, for God by, you would worship God by offering an animal sacrifice. That was why they had a temple. You came and you offered animal sacrifices. Uh, that's why today the Jewish people do not have animal sacrifices. There are some fringe extreme groups that have that, but for the most part they, they don't because you can't have sacrifices without a, a temple. See, the temple and those sacrifices were merely pictures signs, pictures pointing to the coming of the perfect sacrifice, the perfect lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. Once Jesus died on the cross as our sacrifice, there was no more need for any more sacrifices. Therefore, there's no more need for a temple. You don't need a temple. You don't need sacrifices. You don't need pictures once the reality is there. Once, once the reality is with you, you don't look at the photographs. You look at the person who's, who's real. That's, that's what 
this is about. So today, worship is not limited to a prescribed place or a set time or, or some worship of, of a ritualistic manner. You don't need to go to a sacred shrine to worship God. It's not, it's not necessary. You know why? Because God has provided you with something far better than a physical building in Jerusalem. I'd like you to look at this. First Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter six. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul tells us about a temple. There still is a temple. It's just not the, uh, the one in Jerusalem. There is a place to worship God. 1 Corinthians 6.19, Paul said, Or do you not know, implying that the Corinthians didn't know, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? You see, the, the physical temple and its sacrifices are over. They were just a picture. God has given us a much better, a much better temple and a perfect sacrifice. The perfect sacrifice has been Jesus Christ. The temple is now you. Your body, if you're a believer in Christ, is the temple of this, uh, of God because the Spirit of God dwells in you. And so what that means is that if you're a living temple, it means that God's presence is continually with you. You can worship Him anywhere, anytime. He goes with you. You're with him. Any place, anytime, anywhere. You don't limit your worship to Sunday morning or evening. You can worship him in your car, preferably keep your eyes open. You can worship him while lying in, in bed at night. You worship him when you wake up in the morning. You worship him while you're exercising. You worship him while you're sitting in your living room. You wor- anytime. That's what Jesus is saying. It's not one place. I mean, it's a sad thing. Those of us who will be going to Jerusalem in Israel trip, you'll, you'll come to the Western Wall, formerly known as the Wailing Wall, and you'll see all these Jewish people who are, uh, it's called davening. They're going back and forth, back and forth, and uh, uh, they think that that's the most sacred place on the planet, not realizing that the Messiah has come, that, that they could be a living sacrifice or they could be a living temple the Spirit of God within them. But you're not limited to your worship. You're not limited in your worship to a a place and a building on Sunday. Let me tell you about this building. This building without you is just one big empty room. I'm here every day. I know. What makes it exciting is when you come. Otherwise, it's a rather dull place. So what kind of worship is acceptable to God? Worship that is more concerned about whom you worship and how you worship rather than where you worship. Now, if you're hung up over the place of worship because of some false and, and artificial stimulus that you need to put in, that puts you in some kind of a worshipful mood and some people feel they, they need that, then, then you really don't understand what is acceptable worship to God. You really don't need that. You can worship Him at any time because it is not where you worship God that's important. It is how you worship Him. And so Jesus goes on to tell us that acceptable worship is not confined to a sacred place. That's the where of, of worship. But He also tells us that acceptable worship Worship has a proper balance between heart, attitude, and truth. And that is the how of worship. Notice verse 22. This is his second principle. How do we worship God? We know it's not important where we worship him, but how do we do it? Jesus said in verse 22, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews, meaning God revealed salvation to us. 
Now, in order to help this woman to become a true worshiper, Jesus is quite blunt at this point. He's, he's really somewhat hard and harsh in his language to show her that her worship is inadequate. It's unacceptable. He's telling her that you are wrong. You're absolutely wrong, and you Samaritans are wrong. You are not worshiping the one true God. Why? Because their religion was a, a mixture of paganism with some biblical truth. Paganism. But it had some biblical truth but mostly pagan, in contrast to the Jewish people who accepted all of God's written revelation. They rejected most of it, except the first five books of Moses. Therefore, the Samaritan worship was unacceptable to God because it was based on ignorance and man-made beliefs rather than the totality of the Word of God. That's why Jesus went on to clarify what is acceptable worship to God, what it entails. Notice verse 23. And verse 23, in many ways, is the heart of this whole passage. But he said, an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. In this statement, Jesus spelled out two essentials of proper worship for those who would worship the Father through his Son. And that is the only way to worship him. Number one, he said true worshipers worship the Father in what? In spirit. In spirit. Now, what did, what did Jesus mean by worshiping the Father in spirit? I don't believe here he's talking about the Holy Spirit. That would be contrary to, uh, to the point. He's talking about spirit with a perhaps little s. By spirit, Jesus was referring to the human spirit, what is commonly known in the Bible as the heart. The heart. The inner person, the inner man, the inner you. So the thought here is that worship that is acceptable to God must come from the heart. It is not just an external thing. It's not going through the outward motions without any kind of inward heart attitude of devotion. And that's what many of the Jewish people, especially their leaders, were guilty of. In Mark chapter 7, verse 6, listen to this. Jesus said, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. He's speaking to the Jewish religious leaders. He said it was true in Isaiah's day, and, and he prophesied that it would be true in this day. As it is written, this people honors me with their lips. Say, isn't that nice? They honor the Lord, but Jesus said, but their heart is far from me. They're saying the right words, but there's no heart. Folks, that is so relevant today. You're talking about being contemporary. It doesn't get any more contemporary than this. The heart is often what's lacking in our worship. Your worship, my worship. Like the Jewish people of our Lord's Day, we have, I believe, the right information because we have the Bible. Right information about the Lord, but we are often so guilty of worshiping Him in a kind of lifeless, barren way that produces a cold orthodoxy. How is it evidenced, this cold orthodoxy? It's evidence in your worship. When you, when you sing songs without any feeling, when, when you praise, but there's no emotion, when you ex express words of praise to God, but you're really thinking about something else, you're not thinking about, about the words, it's just rote. Your lips are going through some kind of motion, but there's no passion, there's no heartfelt meaning behind what you are saying. The early service I had to... Uh, chide them a little bit. The early service, you're a lot different than the early service. They are a subdued group. <laughs> subdued. In fact, uh, someone called them, and it's really a great, a great name for them, and I had to tell them this morning. I called them the Red Eye Service. 
of which later one said to me, ouch. I suggested that they wake up, that if they need to take a little bit of espresso in the morning, wake up because... Uh, and, it, and it's not just them, but all of us. This is, this is true for all of us. When we worship, we need to put some heart into it. You need to have some passion, some, some emotion. In fact, let me, let me just show you. This is how David worshiped the Lord. In Psalm 103, I'll just read it to you, verse 1, but I would write it down for you. David said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. All that is within me. He said, let me bless with everything I have. I mean, you remember David even danced unto the Lord. Now, I'm not suggesting that you do, you know, the Jeremiah jig here. I'm just saying that, that David said, when I worship the Lord, I really got into worship. He also said in Psalm 86, 12, he said, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart, with all my heart. David understood that worship was uh, emotion is involved in in worship. See, this is why your environment doesn't mean anything. This is why even the, the music is, is not the issue. It's not the issue. What is the issue is the condition of your heart. That's the issue. But when there is no no heart in our worship, it produces that cold orthodoxy, and it produces a church, quite frankly, filled with artificial worshipers going through the motions, but it's unacceptable to God. And, and let me tell you this, this is what, this cold, barren, lifeless stuff in, in churches is often what drives people away from a theologically sound church to a, often a charismatic church. This is why many have left fundamentalist and conservative and evangelical churches where the truth is taught, but they're looking for, for a church that has some life. They're looking for a church that has some emotion, some reality, and they're not finding it there. And they're starved for that. They want to worship the Lord. But the danger, the danger of that kind of worship is like the Samaritans. It is worship that has all heart and emotion, but without much thought and without much doctrine. And heart alone is not what makes our worship acceptable. That's just one part of it. That's often where our, our charismatic friends are at. They're, it's very shallow. They, they often are, are into some kind of a frenzy, but, but that's not acceptable worship to God. Yes, we ought to have passion in our worship, but, but it is passion that has to be balanced with truth. And that's why Jesus went on to say that this is the second essential element of how to worship God. He said the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit. And then he added, and truth. See, the Samaritans had all heart. From what we know of Samaritan worship, they, they were passionate. They did have heart. They did have emotion. But it wasn't acceptable to God. Why? Because they rejected most of the Bible. They rejected it. Their, their worship wasn't based upon truth. A little bit but not, not most of it. And by truth, of course, Jesus is referring to the truth of the word of God. Later in John 17, he will make this wonderful statement, thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. The truth of God, what he has revealed about himself in his word. You see, if the meaning of worship, now think with me for a moment, if the meaning of worship is to recognize God for who he is, the glorious, almighty, uh, sovereign, majestic one, if that's what worship is, recognizing him for all that he is, and then to respond to him for who he is in praise and adoration and, and obedience and honor and reverence and all that, then we need to know who he is. 
We need to know who he is so we can respond to him properly. But how do you know who he is? How would you possibly know who God is unless he's revealed himself in his word? That's why we need truth. Without the word of God, we're lost in our worship. Now, we would know a little bit. We would know, as Romans chapter 1 tells us, without the word of God, you'd know something of God's power, something of his grandeur, but you, that, that would be about it. You need the word of God to worship him properly. In fact, let me have you turn to Romans chapter 1. Let me just show you something that is so important. And it might, it might put in perspective why so many people are religious today, but they're, but they're not worshiping the Lord. In Romans chapter 1, remember I told you last week that Paul says in verse 18, he said, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. They hold down the truth. Paul said. Now, how did ancient man do this, and how does modern man do this? Verse 19, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God has made it evident to them. For since, and he explains, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Paul says that God has given man some light, Even without the Bible, man has some light, even ancient man, even modern man. He has some light. What is that light? Creation. He can look around and recognize something of God's power and majesty. And so he's without excuse because he rejected even that. Notice verse 21. For even though they knew God, they did not, meaning they knew about him, they did not honor him as God, Or give thanks. They didn't honor him. They didn't worship him. But instead, what did they do? They became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. In other words, rather than responding to the light of God's revelation, they began to speculate, speculate about what deity might be like. And what it led them to do was have a darkened heart. When they turned off And they turned away from the light. You know what God did in essence? He turned the light off. Now they were in darkness. And what was the result? Verse 22, professing to be wise. And isn't that modern man? He's so wise in his own mind, they became fools. Think about it. Modern man thinks we came from monkeys. that's, That's it. But they became fools. And notice what they did. They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Man became an idolater because he rejected the revelation of God. Now, if you wonder why people are so religious, and, and people are religious, it's because God has, has made us to be religious, worshipful creatures. We're going to worship something. If we reject the truth of God's revelation, then we will find something else to worship. Ancient man worshipped animals. We worship ourselves. We have idols of the heart. We will worship something. That's why you go any place in the world and people are worshipping, but they're not worshipping the true God. It's not, don't think that they're seeking God. They have turned away from him, and that's why they're religious. They have rejected the truth. That's, that's the point. It sounds like we really need to find the right balance in our worship. We need to worship in spirit with sincere, heartfelt emotion. And we need to worship in truth, that is, according to the clear revelation of God's Word. If we don't find that balance, our worship will be off-center and wrong. 
We'd love for you to give us a call at Verse by Verse. The number is 727-239-0306. Or check out our website, Verse by Verse Radio, all one word, dot org. There are so many free helps on the website, including many messages you can download and listen to later. Another ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel is Lakeside Christian School. It is one of the finest Christian schools in the area. Lakeside's mission is to fully equip their students for life. The goal at Lakeside Christian School is to present students with an education wrapped in a biblical worldview by combining Christian teachers with the best curriculum available. Find out more at lakesidechristianschool.org or call 727-461-3311. You'll find us on the web at versebyverseradio.org. At our website, you can listen again to today's class or any of the hundreds of classes stored in the archives. If you want to be sure you don't miss any future classes, or you want to be able to listen to them at any time on your computer or MP3 player, you might like to sign up for our free podcasting service. Would you pray about giving to help this ministry continue to share the Word of God with clear biblical teaching? Don't forget to pray for us. For Pastor Steve Kreloff and the rest of the staff here at Verse by Verse, this is Jerry Pruden thanking you for listening in today here on Verse by Verse. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse. We're here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.